It's a big hello and welcome. Great to have your company on No Man Should Walk Alone. As always, it is brought to you by our friends at the Hater Clinic, the gold standard in addiction treatment, and for Swiss, Australia's number one multivitamin. This is the brainchild of Danny Spud Frawley. And Spud, we're just up an hour earlier these days. Good morning to you. And the Yes, good morning to you, Jack. Good morning, listeners. It's great to 8 o'clock. You know why? Because uh, it means everyone's got to get up a little bit earlier. A lot of people have been SMSing and texting in saying it's great to do a workout and listen to... A couple of health tips and really looking forward to today's show, Jack. We've got Emily Braber on, the, the better half of Chief, who... Much better. ...who sort of waffles on on a Thursday morning on the breakfast show. Gives him his B set, but whereas we get, we get Emily's A set. Oh, she's absolutely outstanding. And she's going to talk about the effects of sugar in our diet, how sugar diabetes type 2, and that's something that you're, you're not born genetically with. That's something that you've just had too much sugar in your diet, and I think... Um, the Victorian government this week, Jack, we talk, uh, we saw that they're going to spend um, half a million dollars to get all the leisure centres to, to really try and ramp up the fact that water's better than the sports drinks and the fizzy drinks. And we do have a lot of, hell of a lot of sugar in our diets. And probably one of the fads, Jack, and we talked about this last year, was anything low fat is okay. But you've got to remember that low fat ice cream's full of something Check else. Check the sugar. Yeah, it's that's full it. full of sugar. Check the labels. Yeah, yep. so... And even Diet Cokes and Diet Pepsi, yeah, they're great in moderation. But if you rely on that to, to actually get your, your fluid intake, they actually dehydrate you. And especially in the, the sun at the moment. And well, it's been a hot week again, hasn't it's it? It's been a hot yeah. week. It's been a pretty hot summer with, you know, 36, 35s. And you, you look for that fizzy thing to get you going. And it gives you a, a bit of a boost for, for a good 20 minutes. But then you get depleted and eventually you'll start putting on a little bit of um, weight around the waistline, which really happens to males a lot. A lot of people say it's the beer gut, but a lot of it is um, to sugar. But we've got a really special guest coming up after the break, Jack. I'm really looking forward to having a chat to him. Yeah, let's, let's just, without giving too much away, because he's got a terrific story to tell. His name is Greg Ryan. Now, tell us how you became aware of Greg and, and his story. Yeah, a good uh, colleague of mine at North Melbourne. Greg uh, spent about 20, 25 years at North, and he'll talk about, um, you know, one of, the, one of the guys who was the glue of the North Melbourne Football Club, a volunteer for a while, part-time in the property, and he was the butt of all the players' jokes, and he went along with it, but he, he was always hiding something, Jack, even from a very young age. He was born with it, and I won't um, steal his thunder. He was born with a... With a, with a physical um, impairment, disability, guess, yeah, yeah, that um, was pretty embarrassing. And there's one in 5,000 males out there that have got this. And he's actually put a book out, and he's also does a lot of public speaking now about the fact of if you're hiding something, and this is right in our wheelhouse, Jack, no man should ever walk alone, and he kept it to himself. If he had of, you know, and he'll talk about it, if he had to put his hand up earlier, he wouldn't have had the, the, the mental issues that he had uh, going forward. And I think what we're expecting, he's just about to join us in the studio. It's going to be pretty open and honest. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. no, it is. Which it's, is good. Pretty confronting. Um, but and as I said, that's what the show's all about. I think that a lot of people out there, maybe they're not the same ailment, but you might be struggling with something that you feel a bit embarrassed about. There's always someone that can help you out. Well, that's coming up next. And also, we just want to take this opportunity off the top of the show. We get inundated every single week with uh, texts 0433 Keep them coming through. We love the interaction that we're getting on the show. We love that people are up early. And I think one thing that's a, it's a common theme every week when we sit here, it's, it's, that it's connecting. People are hearing this and it's, and it's meaning something. And, to and obviously the podcast is uh, live too, Jack. And, you know, a lot of people have SMSed in that, you know, you've probably got a, 
head like a, you know, they've seen better heads on a boil. And that's for both of us. <laughs> no, no. Hey. Oh, was that just for me? Was that's it? just for you, mate. <laughs> hey, a bit of George Clooney sitting over here, mate. Not from where I'm sitting. <laughs> uh, no, very good. No, looking forward to a great show and looking forward to getting Greg Ryan on after the break, Jack. He's up next and it's all thanks to Swiss, Australia's number one multivitamin, the choice of Danny Frawley and for the Hater Clinic, the gold standard in addiction treatment. Great to be with you this Sunday morning on No Man Should Walk Alone. It's all thanks to the Hater Clinic, who are the gold standard in addiction treatment. And for Swiss, Australia's number one multivitamin, Emily Brabon, to join us very shortly. But Spud, we love having studio guests and we love people who are willing yep. to come in and tell their story. And Greg Ryan is our studio guest this morning. He's, uh, he's also an author. Exactly. Uh, he's got a book out called The Secret Life, uh, surviving a rare congenital condition, but with that, obviously, had some mental issues as well along the way. So, good morning, Greg. Good morning, Spud. Jack, so, so mate, um, just talk us about the the top here. Um, one in five thousand foundation you've got on your shirt. What, what's that? And obviously, the the illness and the ailment that that you've got. Yep, uh, the one in five thousand foundation was uh, named because of the condition I was born with. Is called a imperfect anus or an anorectal malformation. Yeah. What that means is that effectively, when you're born, you haven't got an anal opening, a yep. bowel opening. So, you have to have life-saving surgery within the first 24 hours, wow. and then you have subsequent subsequent surgeries after that. And in effect, you you haven't got any muscles in your backside all your life. So. And so it's one in five thousand is the incident rate. So I'm just thinking ahead as a as an infant, you probably get you're okay with it. But what what about when you go to primary school? It's like how how do you get around oh, these issues? It must have been tough. Oh, it's ex- extremely difficult. Like it, earlier on, really, the, your lifesavers are your parents. Like for my me yeah. especially, like you spend you have to have mostly you have three operations within the first two or three years. Um, you get a colostomy bag for, say, the first 12, 18 months. These days it's down to about six yep. months. And then um, you have a what they call the pull-through surgery where they, cre- they create the anal opening. Yep. And then the, the, um, the parent has to perform dilations on you wow. for a few months until your body can yep. take go in the toilet and then you get the colostomy closed. So So how did you go how did you go then? I know that, you know, your your parents and you you've done an extremely good job and we'll talk about, you know, the great work you're doing. Um it's obviously a rare rare disease, but the the mental language um yeah. from the get go. Oh mate, it's it's massive because all you want to do, well in my case, especially going to school and everything like that, because you look normal. Like you I've got a big scar on my belly. Yeah. But other than that, no one would know. Yeah. Um, but going to school is a big issue because, unfortunately, because you've got no control yeah. and you're still in those formative years, you have to try and your body has to react. Yeah. And, you know, 90%, 100% of us have to have animas when mm. we're young for our bowels to work or because you get constipated or the opposite. So you're... You're forever on edge, and um, some of my worst experiences that I still look back now is, is you know, having sitting in school and just freezing yeah. because I've had an accident. And yeah. I look back now and I recognise them as panic attacks. Yeah, wow. But yeah, back anxiety. Then, 
The anxiety the, must have been oh, through the roof. Oh, it is. And you, you, you're sort of like on edge all the time. Like, I, I got to high school and I spent every day of high school, six years, walking around with my jumper around my waist. Even in the hot, hot weather? 10 degrees, 40 degrees, yeah. it didn't matter because back in the old days you had the um, flimsy grey um, pants on. Yeah. And because you might soil a little bit, you didn't want to leave any stain or whatever or get recognised. So I would just, I spent every every day walking around with a jumper around my waist hiding. And I guess kids are an unforgiving bunch, aren't right. they, as well? Oh, yeah, mate. Cruel. Mm. And in some respect, we were lucky back then. Like, you didn't have the social media. Yeah, wow. So and these days, like, with the, I, you know, I, I really worry that the effect it has if any the kids that are growing up now and that's why part of the reason why i'm sort of like coming out in the way i am is to try and spread the awareness of it because um if a kid has a bit of an accident and all they have to do is get on social media yeah. that night and the whole school the school knows about it like so it's really really difficult so you in effect you're on alert all the time so in a you know in a sense you You've obviously lived and breathed it, and obviously, you know, we'll get onto it later on, the, the great work you're doing, but the, the obviously, the mental anguish and the anxiety, do you think, because I don't mind saying this, you, you, you've had depression or you're still suffering from depression? Oh, yeah, yeah. Look, I'll, I admit I had my first uh, nervous breakdown at 36. Yeah. Did this have a, a, a lasting effect by having this um, congenital condition? Do you think that that was the reason? Oh, no doubt about no doubt. it. But and you've no just doubt. because you've tried to hide it. Yep. And this is what this show's all about: is putting your hand up and and knowing you've got an ailment and you you're able to move forward. Then. Yeah. And I, was, I know there'll be a lot of people listening now saying it might be this this condition that you've got, but it might be something else, whether it's mental, physical, or both. You've had both, obviously. So that that's a hell of a long um, ball and chain to have around your neck. For 36 years. Oh, you do. Like, you're constantly on alert. Um, because the one thing that uh, anyone with IA suffers from mm. is that you don't trust your bodies. Yeah. Like, you just, anything, you could have an accident at any time. Yeah. or And you have to have what you, watch, what you eat. Um, That's even the case now? Oh, yeah. 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 Well, that's the one thing about... Anyone who's born with IA, even though you have your surgeries, you're not fixed. Yep. The, the, the surgeons say... you got it for life. Yeah, they're as fixed as they can make you. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yep. But the reality is that, as my doctor used to say to me, that you can't mend muscles and nerves that aren't there. Yeah, that's right. So they can only do yep. what they can do. So 36, and were you, were you working? Were you... Yeah, yeah, I, I started working when I was... Because you're at North Melbourne. We'll talk about that. You were there for, what, 20-odd 20, 20 years, and your father... Yep, my dad uh, was a weights coach um, from 72 through to early 90s. Yep. So, and uh, so myself and my brother, we grew up yep. around the around the club. You would have seen some great players. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, well you know, you'd go, we'd have barbecues and dinners at our place, and, you know, you've got your... Schimmelbush, Dench, mm. Gumbledons, all those guys would be there, yeah. you know, all family friends. And uh, then in 87, I was fortunate enough to become the reserves team manager to a great man of Laurie Dwyer who was coaching yeah. for five years. John Kennedy Senior, was he coach at that yeah, stage? Yeah, yeah, he started yeah. in 85. Yeah. 
So, and I've always, I've always had a great passion for North. Um, for me, North saved me mm. over many years because it's the one place I could go where I didn't feel like I was being judged yep. because of my secret. Fantastic. I didn't need to yeah. hide it down there. And it was the, that was my outlook. Like football was my outlet my whole life. Yeah, you had North Melbourne gear on and you were one of the, yep. one of the I was part of the family. Yeah. 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 I yep. just go to the footy. I didn't, I didn't have to worry if I. So, was what was your role footy. down there, Greg? Oh, from eighty-seven to ninety-two, I was uh, the reserve team manager. Yep. But you know, I still go training Tuesday, Thursday. We've seen night. some cheeky lads there. Oh, Duck. I'm, I'm sure you know Duck Wayne Carey. Obviously, you know one of the greatest players of all time, if not the best. But he obviously would have played a couple of yeah, reserve well, games. With cheeky young fella, was he? Yeah, well, he. Um, I was there the first night he trained up at uh, Royal Park. Actually, I yeah. remember he come over. Um, I was, I was there when he first played in the reserves at Collingwood. His first game was he wore number forty. He played four games yeah. in the seconds, I think. Darren Crocker. Yes, Croc. Who yes. was the cheekiest? Well, Anthony Rocker. He would have been a, a hard uh, nut, no doubt. Rocky. Yeah, they were all all those blokes from the under nineteens. <laughs> Croc will. Um, yeah. He could talk the leg off a chair, couldn't he? Yes, he still does. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, Croc, the uh, loves sitting on the fence, Croc. Uh, he's very good. <laughs> and and mate, the, so tell us about your your breakdown without without getting you know um, how did that come about? Or did you did was there a lead up to it? Um, you knew you were battling, and all of a sudden you just said, "I just can't yep. perform my." Old daily duties. Yeah, I oh, look. I was married. I've been married for ten years. Yep. And uh, I was working at uh, National Australia Bank, where I had like thirty, forty staff under me. Yeah, shit. And uh, and that's hard too. Like working in a um, office environment, you have to, with my condition, you have to. Everything's about control. Yep. And you know, if you're having bad days, you know, you don't want to be seen, and you sneak off. <laughs> I remember a couple of blokes I used to work for, they used to call me Matilda because they thought I used to be waltzing around the office all the time. But that was my way of yep. needing to sort of like yeah. camouflage, yep. going to the toilet yeah, or whatever. Yep. And I just, I'll never forget it. I was set, I was just starting to lose confidence in myself and all that. And I was, I was had catch, went to catch a train down, tram down to the city and I just started crying. Out of nowhere, and I yep. thought, this is not right. And yeah. I thought, well, it's not nothing to do with my stomach. Yeah. And I went and saw my GP, who'd been my GP for 40 years, and he said, um, you're suffering from depression. I'm going to send you a psychiatrist mm. tomorrow. Mate, back then, I didn't even want to know what yeah. depression was. Yeah. Yep. You know, all I knew was depression was what happened back in the early days with the Great Depression. Yeah. You know, it was, wasn't even thought of. And the, and the psychiatrist, he... Um, did you have a bit more relief after you had a chat to him or you, you battled for a while after that? You've obviously had a bit of a breakdown by the sound of it. Yeah, well, I've... Nervous well, breakdown? Yeah, well, I had four, I've had four nervous breakdowns. Yeah. Um, seeing the psychiatrist was one of the best things I ever did. He was just a gentle man. Like, when I first met him, he was in his late 70s days. And as soon as I saw him, I just felt safe. Yep. And I, you know... I was fortunate enough that he knew a little bit about IA and, you know, because I had a wonderful yep. doctor as well. So you could sort of like open up about it. And, mate, I'm still, that was 18 years ago. 
He since retired and passed on. I'm seeing another wonderful psychiatrist. Yeah, good. And, and I see him still every fortnight. And and for those people out there listening, obviously, if they're going through it or wondering what is going on, what would you suggest? Like, how good did you feel after? I can hear it in your voice after you've seen the psych for the first time to actually talk to someone about where you're at. How how much is that a relief? You're still you're still struggling, obviously, but yep. you think yep. there's actually a light at the end of the tunnel now. Oh, there was, and because I absolutely had no idea what was going on, right? And all my life, even though I had my IA, I knew what it was. Mm. I didn't know any difference, yeah, so I could. That's right. In some ways, I, even though I couldn't control it, but I could. But when it started, when my I started getting the anxious, the anxiety, and the depression, yep. and that, that was what threw me the most because I just had no idea what was happening yep i was interested just your comment there that you still go to see and and just have a chat every fortnight has that become part of your oh yeah routine absolutely yeah. for life now oh yeah yeah yep. um i've been on medication now for 18 years i um yeah I'm, i've been on the same medication like i have to take sleeping tablets and i have my anti-anxiety tablets mm. And I see my psychiatrist every fortnight, and I see my GP every three weeks. And for me, it's maintenance. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, with, uh, I suppose, and this is why one thing like I want to talk about regarding people with congenital or chronic conditions. Um, when you can't, when the physical part of you can't be fixed as such, you need that. Um, continual um, help to get through from the emotional side mm. of things. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I don't, I, I've never. People say to me, "We've well, been seeing a psych for eighteen years. How come you're not fixed?" Well, for me, that's never going to happen because of, with me, it one one causes the other. Yeah. You know, and that's where um, I, yeah, I, I look forward to going and seeing, and but they've been wonderful to me like i i can't strict uh be as much what's the word i'm looking for appreciative appreciative thankful. and thankful thankful and um admire how much it makes you feel when you go to someone and talk to them and you don't feel any pressure yeah Absolutely. Yeah. That's great yeah. advice. On that note, we're going to take a break. Greg, yeah. stick with us. Well, on the other side of this, we want to talk about the book, yep. the courage that it took to write the book, and was it cathartic to actually yeah. sit down and write it all, and the wonderful foundation, which is oneinfivethousandfoundation.com.au, or you can send an email, oneinfivethousandfoundation at gmail.com. We'll take a break. This is No Man Should Walk Alone. Greg Ryan is our special guest. Great to have your company, Sunday's edition of No Man Should Walk Alone. It's all thanks to the Hater Clinic and, of course, to Swiss, Australia's number one multivitamin. Greg Ryan from the One in 5000 Foundation is our special guest in the studio. And Spud, before we go any further, yep. if you've heard something today that resonates with you yeah. and you want to have a chat with someone, 131114 is the number for Lifeline. Give them a call and have a chat. Start the conversation. Yeah, or get on the website uh, Beyond, Beyond Blue. Blue or... Ask a mate, ring a mate, or ring your GP. It's as simple as that, and and that's exactly what Greg Ryan uh, has done. Now, your book, mate, Secret Life, um, it's going worldwide. I'm always led to believe someone from China wants you to fly over there and, and uh, promote yeah. the book. Is that right? 
Yeah, well, what's happened is um, I went to a conference in Columbus, Ohio in October, November last year. Yep. And um, I was fortunate enough to for the, one of the leading colorectal pediatric surgeons in the world, Dr. Mark Levitt, he actually wrote the foreword for the book. Yep. Because I addressed a conference the year before in Paris. And um, he organi- he was running this conference in um, Columbus and invited me over and uh, the, they purchased 300 books for all the leading colorectal pediatric surgeons across the world. Fantastic. And then uh, only two weeks ago, I got an email from a surgeon in China saying he'd heard about the book, um, he'd like to get one and it wasn't available on Amazon in China. <laughs> so uh, I've helped him out and, you know, something like that and... What's, what really struck me is that his interest in IA is that he actually goes and treats orphans um, in an orphanage, of course, that for kids that have been with, born with IA that have been abandoned. Mm. And he goes and uh, does the surgery and then they get adopted, sort of like a lot of them go to American families. So, because, you know, you can imagine the mortality rate in the third world countries. So if you if you read the book and I've I've read half it and I've as I said it's a, it's a great read it's pretty confronting I must admit oh uh, yeah it's uh, you, yeah yeah there's a lot of people say no, oh, I have a warning on there about it yeah being no it's it's actually outstanding and there's a lot of people out there living with a rare disease if they read it it's going to help them I've got no doubt and in a in a snapshot how how can it help them by reading this book Greg I think the one thing that resonates is with me is that you don't feel alone. Like for 50 years, I thought I was the only person in the world with IA. Yeah. Right. Um, and I just, I'd always read in encyclopedias before the internet came out that, you know, there's one in 5,000. Well, I didn't know where the one mm. in 5,000 were. Yeah. And it was only fortunate that I, one day I was in a really bad mental place. And uh, I just thought I can't keep going doing this like I was, you know. So I just typed in uh, imperfect anus on the Facebook yep, and then I'm fortunate enough that I found some groups and then it just sort of like I realised I wasn't alone and um, and from that I then joined a community of mostly parents yep, and then uh, I initiated a group where for just for adults only because everyone looks at it as a paediatric yeah. issue because yeah, okay. yep, yep. Yep. because when you know that's when you get the have the operations so and um, we've been fortunate to, with the group that created that we've got over 180 people worldwide now and every one of us have practically got the same story mm. about not knowing anyone else but the massive issue has been the, the mental health component of it. And how else can it help the parents? Your parents obviously went through a really tough time. Oh, yeah. You know, well, we all want yeah. our kids to be fit, healthy, healthy most important thing. You haven't got your... You're healthy, haven't got your wealth. How, for someone out there listening that maybe got a, a mate or a, or a child that, that's suffering, it must, be, it must be tough on your parents. How, how would that help them as well, reading this? Oh, well, the most pleasing thing I've had out of the whole experience of the book is that people now recognise how much mum and dad did. Yeah. Right? They People say to me, oh, you're a hero for writing it. That's not at all. Yeah. Mum and dad are the heroes. Yeah. Because they're the ones that had to deal with it. and. Mm. To be an IA parent is an, Im- an imaginably hard job, unimaginably mm. hard job. Yep. Like, it, you know, it's practically a full-time job for the three or four years of the child's birth, born. And then 
and that's just to look after them. And then when you get to the stage when they've got to go to school and you lose that control and they've got to face the world, but it's um, for people, for parents living with con congenital conditions, it's extremely difficult. And I've, I've been lucky that I've been able to, my book's been able to in some way give their child a voice that they can sort of like read some some things and think, oh yeah, that that resonates. Mm. Like um, one of the one of the best things that I've had with the book is for kids that want to play sport. Like with me, mm. I love my footy. Yeah, right. And I thought, well, when I started wanted to play football, how am I going to adjust? Because I didn't want to see anyone if I was going to soil or whatever. And so I'd run out on the ground bend over, pick up some mud, just wipe it on the back of my shorts. Just in case, yep. Just in case. Yep. And that camouflaged, you know, mm. and I've I've told a few th these to parents and that, and they thought, oh, my God, you know, I'll, I'll tell the kids that. And it, straight away, they're like, yeah, mate, that makes sense. Mm. Um, the foundation, one in 5000foundation.com.au is where you can go to get involved. Tell us how that started. Was that before or after the book? No. What order did they all come in? Uh, well, the book came about because my psychiatrist years ago, when I was really having trouble, even in between appointments, yeah. um, and I was struggling, I said, look, you know, when I'm going, having bad times, you know, mm. I got to the stage where I was self-harming and everything. And he said, well, why don't you start writing things down? And just, just so I bought an exercise book yep. and of a night time or whatever where I was feeling like I knew... Yep. I needed like a session. I just write things down, and I, like I started to journal, and so that and that really helped. And what I'd sort of like do was I'd read the journal to the psych when I saw him. Yeah, good. But then it and it, it really helped me just cathartic. Yeah, it was release. Yeah, like sometimes where do I want to go and grab something to cut instead myself? of it building up and yeah, yeah I'd like write. a kettle boiling. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so and then because I had all my I had the hospital records from the children's hospitals is like four hundred pages. I then thought, well, I might start writing and writing, and it just became because you end up in a roundabout way, you end up knowing sometimes more about the illness than a doctor who specialises in it. And I know I say that in a yeah, oh uh, yeah, no, there's a, no doubt in a wholehearted way. You do, don't you? Because you, you're living and breathing it. You want to know and all I think, about it. And I think that's why the books resonated so much with the paediatric doctors as well, yeah, because good. they look at us as the experts because they they don't see the kids. There's no transition. Yeah. So there's a whole lot. Of, so I'm sort of like they're reading, well, now we know what happens and how we can work, and that's why the foundation started. And, well, the book, I went to Paris last year and – a great friend of mine, Les Cameron, who I've known for 10 years, he said to me, Greg, you said, we've just got to write about this. Yeah, it's good. And then that just started the book and the foundation. And I said, I, I'm only going to do it. I don't want to do it for any monetary yeah. purpose. So all the money. So the, where's the money go? For, to, it goes directly to the foundation. Oh, wow. Um, and then um, we're working. We've had great support from Dr. Sebastian King at the Royal Children's Hospital. Who's the head of pediatric mm. colorectal surgery? Yep, and we're going to initiate uh, sort of like a program and projects where we can help him help the kids of today. So everything's about if I, if we can do anything for the kids of today, more. Than, I don't want any kid 
being like what I mm. had to carry this secret for 50 years. And that's why he's so passionate about it. Yeah. And because I know, and as I said, in our, in the adults groups, we've got like, you know, we've got 90% of us have got mental illness. Mm. It's wonderful what you've no, done, no. Greg, and we appreciate your honesty. It's been fantastic to have you and tell your story. Not only what you've done, yeah. but what you're doing and continuing to do, which I think is is just awesome, Spud. No, it's absolutely outstanding, Greg. And as I said, you've you've helped even myself and Jack listening to this story how how we take our health for granted, uh, physically and mentally. And and you've you've had to deal with both all your life, and you're still dealing dealing with it. And you know, as I said, the the Victoria Cross for Courage wouldn't be enough to give yep. to you. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and obviously we, we want to leave on a bit of a, not not a, a light note, but, but Mark Brayshaw, he was, he was obviously <laughs> one guy at North either. Melbourne. He, um, yes. he was the one that called me and, and is an avid listener to the show. And we, we give him a lot of positivity, Mark. And what was he like as a footballer? His sons, obviously, <laughs> Angus and, and Hamish and, um, and Andrew, obviously going to be guns. What, what was Sticks like at, at North Melbourne? Yeah, well, first of all, I'll have to thank Sticks because he's been a wonderful supporter of the book. Yeah. And when we did the book launch, he actually hosted the book yeah, launch. Yeah, forget the thanks. What, what was he like as a footballer? <laughs> no, nah, bugger well, me. I thought we said we well, weren't going to do nah, this. Nah. I wanted to focus on the positive because <laughs> yeah. there's not really a lot of positive about the great number 44. Yeah, well, what, did he, what was he like as a footballer? That's all I want to know. And oh, the I, I, I was involved in North at the time and I always, always remember Greg Miller was saying, oh, we've signed this grateful forward, forward, big hulking yeah. man who come from Claremont. You know, we'd had the Jimmy and Phil Cracker. Yeah. We thought, oh, yeah, this is all right. Next thing, they, we walked in one day and we thought, who's this bloke? He's about five <laughs> foot five. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't kick over a jam tin. <laughs> and uh, they ended up playing him full back. And, um, yeah, he's he's been a good uh, stallion, but uh, I'm not too sure about uh, the ability himself. Yeah, but, no, 14, 14 uh, very ordinary games. That is poor, by Sticks, if you're listening, it wasn't <laughs> yeah, my idea. <laughs> uh, 1in5000foundation.com.au or you can send an email, 1in5000foundation at gmail.com. The book, A Secret Life, Surviving a Rare Congenital Condition, is written by Greg Ryan. Greg, thanks for coming in this morning. No it's problem, been Jack. great to thanks, meet Dan. you and great Brilliant, to learn Greg. more about your story. Appreciate it. We'll take a break. This is No Man Should Ever Walk Alone. Not long before we finish up here on No Man Should Walk Alone, it's all thanks to the Hater Clinic, who are the gold standard in addiction treatment, and for Swiss, Australia's number one multivitamin. Big thanks to Greg Ryan for coming into the studio. Uh, just quickly before we get to our next guest, if you've heard something this morning that yeah. resonates with you and you want to have a chat with someone, 131114 is Lifeline, or you can jump on the Beyond Blue website yep. as well, Spud. So pick up the phone. Or send an email and get the conversation started. Or ring your GP. It's as simple as that. And uh, really looking forward to this uh, next segment, Jackie Boy. Yeah, now we've been just sitting on this secret for a couple yeah. of weeks about the famous Australian mm. person who's done all of the training. Yeah. We're going to talk about that in just a few moments, but we're going to find out how this person got to that point. And we do that with our great mate, yeah. Emily Brabon. She's ours. She's yeah. not breakfast. She's That's ours. Right. That's right. Em, good morning to you. Good morning, boys. How are you? Hey, we're good. The nutritionist to the stars, and uh, sugar is the theme that we want to talk about today. Good old sugar, huh? Who doesn't love sugar? <laughs> and then, it, it's interesting this week, the Victorian government down here um, mm. is going to spend $500,000 to help um, all the leisure centres around Victoria to replace uh, the sports drinks and sugar sugary drinks with water. Now, for those people out there, it's, it's like anything, it's a balance, but do we do we put too much um, sugar in our diet? I think 
absolutely. I think everyone does, especially children these days. I mean, if you're only exercising moderately and, and take into account everybody mostly exercises moderately and you don't sweat very much apart from when it's 36 degrees, <laughs> yep. you probably save yourself a ton of money and expect that, you know, just skip those sports drinks and, and powders and all those gels and stuff and just stick with the good old water. It's going to do the same thing. So obviously, you know, elite athletes and someone that's doing a lot of exercise or working hard in the sun over a long period, it's okay to have those. But just to have a, a sports drink, just to, to quench your thirst um, and nothing else, it's probably, eventually, especially for males, it's going to go on their belt buckle, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the basic rule of thumb, the, the reason that they were created is to rehydrate. And what they're full of is sugar, like you just said. So if, if you can do rehydration or you can have a drink that's without all that sugar and carbs, even things like um, unprocessed coconut water yeah. or something like that is going to do you a whole lot better than chugging down all that syrup water. What about, um, you know, you go to the supermarket and you think, okay, low fat. Mm-hmm. Um, you can look at the low fat ice cream, but that's got a fair bit of sugar in it as well, isn't it? Absolutely. You've got low fat, low sugar, very two very completely different things. Yeah. Um, but not always necessarily bad. I mean, when it comes to rehydration, you look at milks. Um, a lot of people like full-fat milk, but unless you're an elite athlete, like you say, um, light milk is going to do the trick. Yeah. So if you have a look at lighter options, you generally just got to read the, the pack. And if you can stay under five grams per hundred of sugar in an item, then you're doing all right. Emily, there's lots of different foods that have more sugar than, than what we realise. Yeah. What's, uh-huh. the, what's the number one trap, though? What's the one that when you talk to people about this, they say, oh, gee, I hadn't thought about that? You know what? Um, I think probably the, the shakes, like when you go and you have a smoothie or something like that, because um, all of that, the fruit's a good thing, fresh fruit is a good thing, but yeah. when you pulverise that much fruit with um, all those additional things like honey and stuff, and you whack them in a... In a um, a cup to have with, you know, your lunch. You're actually having two meals there. You're bulking up on your sugars and your carbs as well as your meal. Okay. So as, as healthy as it might seem, then they're the hidden traps. That's where all the sugar lays. And obviously, um, sugar diabetes too. We don't want to get too drastic about it, Emily. But it's a big, uh, it's a big worry for us as a society in Australia now, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, you you come across every second person that says they have a sweet tooth, and what they don't realise, and probably what a lot of people wouldn't want to admit to, is that that's not a sweet tooth, it's a sugar addiction. Now, Emily, before we let you go, now we know you do some yeah. amazing nutritional work here, but we need to talk about James Stewart, oh, who yeah. may be familiar to some of our listeners from Home and Away. There'll be a few listeners who, who probably don't quite see Home and Away, but one requirement on Home and Away is you've got to be in pretty good condition because they do a lot of their shoots yeah. on the beach near the surf club with no shirt on. They do, they do. Now, we've been teasing for a few weeks about a famous Australian who yeah. was going to appear on the cover having done a, an unbelievable training program and nutrition program. It is James Stewart. Tell us more about this process. You know what, Jimmy works so hard. He um, His schedule is crazy as well. I mean, he's full-time dad to his five-year-old daughter and... Um, he would just get into the gym whenever we told him to. And when he couldn't make it to the gym, he would come to boot camp. So it would either be a 5.30 start for him with us or it would be a 9 o'clock session late at night. So wherever he could fit it in, he would. So we got into the gym maybe four times a week and got him doing his homework. But um, on the eating side of things, he was just – it was a big change for him because he had never had that, that sort of structure. He just had catering on set and that kind of stuff. So 
setting him up with a new eating plan. He followed that to the T. He was fantastic. It's amazing, uh, the eight-week transformation. And anyone listening out there, you've obviously done some great work with Guy Sebastian, Larry, Edma. You can Emda. get on. That's it. Yep. Emda. Sorry, I'll get that right. <laughs> oh, Laz. Uh, www.transformationcoach.com. Um, and you'll be able to look like that. Hopefully now, I must admit, I've, I've got on. and It's taken a, a couple of days for me to get my head around it, uh, Emily. But in eight weeks, what you've done with Jimmy is just amazing. Because I, I read here, he's fat loss over nine Ks. Mm-hmm. So more than a K of fat he's lost a week. Yep. But his muscle gain is four and a half. So yeah. no wonder he's looking so buffed. <laughs> it's incredibly important to have him lifting the right weights in the gym. I mean... On a low-carb diet like he was on and like the transformation coach one, it is possible to lose your lean muscle mass if you're not careful and you don't have the scientific approach of Chief's programming to get that lean muscle mass up while you're taking down your carb intake. It's a fine balance. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. But this is why we speak to you because you are the nutritionist to the stars, including yeah. James Stewart, who looks absolutely phenomenal. We might let you loose on Danny Frawley at some oh. point. Em, what do you might think? Need more oh, than... Yes, please. <laughs> you might need more than eight weeks, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, <laughs> thanks. For... <laughs> Emily, as always, nice to have you on the show. Thanks for the chat this morning. Thanks, boys. Emily Braber on the nutritionist to the stars joining us, Spud. He looks phenomenal, James Stewart, doesn't he? Uh, you, you sort of, when you look at that photo, you sort of, you take a big breath in and sort of try and get the chest up and the gut sort of. Yeah, it's hard not to. Oh, mate, he's, as I said, nine Ks of fat. So you imagine that, like it's just a big basketball full of fat and then you've replaced it with four and a half kilos of, of muscle. So they do a great job there. Good. She's a star. She is an absolute legend. Good show today. Very good show. It was, uh, it was great to get Greg on. And I think, you know, when the the show first started, we want to give a lot of health tips. But we also want the listener to work out that you aren't alone mm. out there. And Greg Ryan, uh, with his book, um, A Secret Life, he was alone for a hell of a long time. And it's just been fantastic to tell, been able to uh, have a show to be able to produce his story and to tell the listeners to, you're not on your own out there. It's on Amazon. If you want to jump online yep. and buy the book, it, it is called A Secret Life, as Spud said, surviving a rare congenital condition. And I think we haven't sort of done something of that theme for a few weeks, yep. but it was important today, wasn't it, to get the message across about ha- having the conversation and starting the conversation. No, it certainly is, Jack, and that's um, it's probably the foundation of our show. So what's on the rest of the day, Jack? Uh, look, Looking forward to uh, just trying to chill out a little bit, I think. It's yeah, been a very busy schedule. You're burning the midnight oil at the moment. Insane. And trying to get my head around AFLX. That's another conversation for another day, but uh, you'll hear that next week. Yeah, it's on all SCN. starting. So. Yeah, thanks for everyone for being with us today. As always, great to have your interaction off the uh, off the text machine. We've got some terrific text messages through the hour as well. Thanks to Greg Ryan. Thanks to Emily Braybron. And thank you to you, Danny Frawley. Thank you, Jack.